Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Living with Power Hope podcast. I'm your host, Lena Ebuchemra, and I'm so glad you're here. You guys know by now that every couple of weeks or so on the show, I invite a friend and we just sit around and talk about hope. We talk about how we lose our hope in this life, how we can fight for it and get it back, and most importantly, how to keep it for good. Uh, This day, today, I have a guest who is near and dear to my heart. She's someone I truly look up to and admire. Um, She's going to talk to us uh, in a bit about hope when life hurts, but more specifically, I want her to take us to a place where we could uh, really get a handle on God's Word. She's one of the best Bible teachers I know. She's the host of Help Me Teach the Bible, which is a Gospel Coalition podcast. Many of you might have heard of it before. She just released a book called Even Better Than Eden. She's going to tell us about it, about how to dig into the Bible when our hope is just fleeting and how to stand strong on the solid Word of God. Her name is Nancy Guthrie. Uh, I can't wait for you guys to meet her. Hey, Nancy. Hey, Lena. Thank you so much for inviting me to have this time with you and your listeners. Back, right? Our little secret. But we, uh, very few people do I, if I'm going to make a big mistake or if I'm going to have a big, you know, mark, just something that might just be, you know, shameful to me. If I'm going to pick a person that that could happen with, it would be Nancy Guthrie. You're one of the (laughs) people I know. I I think that's a compliment. (laughs) It is. It is. It is. It is so good. And uh, I can't wait for us to dig into this conversation. Nancy and I tried to do a podcast recently and it just, I, I've never had a technical fiasco like that. And I just thought, how am I going to tell her that this did not work? So in full disclosure, I've heard her story because I knew her that I heard it in a podcast. And so uh, the good part about it is I've been able to sort of think about Nancy and all that she could bring to us. And I thought, Nancy, you know, I forgot to ask you last time that I think would be a good place to start. How did you come to know Jesus? Mm. Well, I am so blessed that I grew up in a home where my earliest memories are of Sunday school, being taken to church and being taught God's word. In fact, sometimes I say I'm scarred forever by Sunday school. I have this scar on my hand where when I was three years old uh, in Sunday school, they were using the popcorn popper to pop popcorn. I mean, you'd probably get arrested for that now with child safety laws and probably rightly so because I still have this scar. Um, But, you know, more than the popcorn popper made its mark on me um, to, to, to be taught God's word. So, you know, I, I grew up in church, you know, I had all the right answers in Sunday school. Uh, One of my Best memories probably is the my sixth grade Sunday school, Estelle Hudgens. And she was the first person I know who, who really smiled when she talked about the Bible. And I remember spending the night at her house and walking in in the morning and seeing her hands lifted up in praise to the Lord, just by herself, praising the Lord. And was like, I want that. Wow. And my life uh, really changed, I think, from just that being that little girl who grew up in church to really knowing Christ uh, under her influence. Um, so then I, then I went to a Christian college and then I got a job in Christian publishing right out of college. I was really fortunate to fall into the job that I feel like I was made for. What was your hope at that point? What was your dream? What did you want to do for God? Well, my my uh, my degree from college was in radio and television broadcasting. 
And, and I got it. I mean, you know, I wanted to be Barbara Walters, but <laughs> I, I ended up getting a job at Word Publishing, uh, you know, and, and I just, I loved working with these Christian authors with their materials. And, you know, I don't know what I could have said my hope was, you know, I suppose maybe I just wanted to rise in the ranks of the publishing business. All right, so picking up that thought, Nancy, and we're switching in our sound here a little bit because we're going to get this conversation no matter what. But um, so you started, um, you were living this Christian life. You were um, in a Bible study, doing all the things, but not really connected to the Lord. And then you started going to this new study and God was just taking you to a deeper place with him. And then what was happening personally in that season? Well, you know, I, I, I was married and I had a media relations business. Uh, my husband, David, and I had our son, Matt, who was growing up. And, you know, as I study God's word, there was oftentimes I just had this sense that God was preparing me for something. I, I didn't really know what it was, um, but I had this sense that he was preparing me for something. And I suppose, looking back, Lena, in some ways, I'm kind of glad I didn't know what it was. Hmm. So... What was it? Mm-hmm. Well, in, in 1998, I gave birth to a daughter named Hope. And Hope was born with a rare metabolic disorder called Zellweger syndrome, which meant that her life uh, was very short and very difficult. And it ended up that Hope was with us for just 199 days. Mm. And honestly, you know, that just, it just changed everything about my life. And, you know, as someone who had grown up feeling like I understood the Bible, when I went back to it, things I read and thought I understood sounded different. And, you know, I'd go to church and all these songs I had sung my whole life in church, they sounded different and they were harder to sing. They seemed to cost me more to even sing and say the words and just going to church where the scriptures were presented and the reality of who God is and how that intersected with this place of devastation really in my life um, Mm. just kind of put everything to the test and I wouldn't say it made me question God but I, I what I would say was it made me pursue God in a deeper way because I just felt like I have to understand how God is involved in this and what he intends is intending to do uh with this both in my life and through my life so you actually found comfort in the God of scriptures in that season Oh, absolutely. I feel like God so prepared me for it. You know, all those years in that study that I was in, for one thing, I was I was, I was learning that uh, God is in control of the world, that he is sovereign over this world. It's not just spinning out of control. And because I'm his, whatever happens in my life, I know is not random or meaningless. I, 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 over those years, I had developed my sense of, of simply God's goodness. You know, many, I think so many times when, when people go through hard things, that becomes a question. Just that very basic thing, is God good? Because we tend to 
decide whether or not hmm. God is good through the lens of our circumstances. So, like, if things are bad, you know, then we think, well, how, if God really loves me, and if he's a good God, how could he allow hmm. this bad thing to happen to me? But, you know, I had, through studying his word, I had that deep sense of, uh, of that he is good, and that he is controlled, in control, and that he can be trusted with my life, even the worst things in my life. Was that around the time when you started writing more formally books and stories or not quite yet? Yeah, well, you know, right after Hope died, I I really, people say, okay, so you're going to write a book, you know, because I worked in publishing. And honestly, at first, I thought about it because at first I felt like I had been so enriched by our experience with hope that I had learned so much and that I had something to share. But honestly, that went away very quickly. I mean, Mm -hmm. very soon. I just felt empty and confused. And like, I didn't have anything worth saying to anybody. Like, I just had a lot of questions. And during those months of, of intense grief, um, yeah, I, I, that feeling just went away very quickly. And, but things changed dramatically for us. And that, um, you know, to have a child with this syndrome meant that both my husband and I are carriers of the recessive gene trait for the syndrome. And so we took surgical steps to prevent another pregnancy. And evidently it didn't work. Yeah. And so I discovered about a year and a half after Pope died that I was pregnant. And, you know, that was... I just remember that David and I, I mean, we had these two very significant competing feelings. There was part of us like, here's this thing we ruled out, um, and God has clearly overruled it. Yeah. And so maybe he's going to give us another child to raise and enjoy that we didn't expect. Or maybe he's actually going to ask us to do this again, to love and lose another child. And Lena, honestly, at that point, I just thought, um, I don't know if I can do that again. And I'm amazed. And why would he ask well, me I'm amazed to do that that you even had that notion of thinking God might ask you to do it again. I would have like I think sometimes that notion of you know prosperity Christianity has seeped into our yep. minds so much that you just think, well, God's given me something to redeem the story, and we think of redemption in terms of even our circumstances, <laughs> right? Well, you sound like so many of my friends at the time. I mean, honestly, we didn't tell very many people for a while while we were, we decided to go through prenatal testing to know whether, which way it was going to go. But honestly, I only told a handful of really godly friends, you know, and, and some of those, you know, because I worked with big time authors at that point, if I said the names, you would know them. And I remember one in particular, and she just said to me, God would never ask you to do that again. Wow. But, you know, and and even my OBGYN, you know, was a Christian guy, and he just said, you're going to be fine. This baby's going to be fine. I mean, because people wanted to believe that. And and people did want the, that version of the story where that redemption looks like, okay, you've been through the hard thing. Now you're going to get the good thing. And the thing is, Lena, I was never convinced of it. And Mm. I think that is a prosperity. I think it's a modern American understanding of of God. I mean, people in most parts of the world, I mean, the parts of the world that you go into, they don't experience just one hard thing and then expect a good thing, do they? No. I mean, they get hard thing after hard thing. And people in other eras, they didn't expect just one hard thing. That's just a modern American view of what it means to be connected to Jesus Christ. And I just recognized that 
there was nowhere in scripture that promised me the only one hard thing. Right. And, and so, you know, we went through prenatal testing and we discovered that this child was going to have the fatal syndrome. And, you know, it caused some of those people around me to, (laughs) and uh, we ourselves to just rethink, you know, what does it mean? What does it mean to be blessed? I mean, you know, and I've got to think that blessing is God's presence in our lives, his very presence in our lives. And I tell you what, in those hard, dark places, aren't we so desperate for him? Aren't we looking for him? Aren't we talking to him more than ever? Well, that's what it means to be blessed. And I really mean it then when I say God blessed us with a second child who was with us uh, for just a short time, our son, Abe. And um, and it was while I was pregnant, I mean, you started asking me about writing when I wanted to do that. It was, it goes back to that same Bible study I was in. I remember one week I went to Bible study. I was probably about six or seven months pregnant with Gabe. And the lesson was on the story of the parable of the talents. Remember that parable? Yeah. Jesus, he, he, he tells about this master, and he's leaving for a while. And he entrusts to these various servants differing resources. And he has only one expectation, and that is that the resources would be invested for a return for his kingdom. And I so remember sitting there, so very pregnant at the time, and the Bible teacher asking the question, what has God placed in your hands? Mm. And I just remember sitting there and I thought, well, he's placed in my hands an understanding of book publishing and the book publishing world because I worked in it for 15 years at that point. He's given me some love, a love for and some understanding of the scriptures. He's given me some communication gifts. And then on top of that, he's giving me a, a story. He's given me an experience that might make people willing to listen to what I have to say. And I went home that day from Bible study and I pulled out the notes. Um, to just a, a presentation I had made to the women at my church. Actually, during Hope's life, they had asked me to share what the Lord was teaching me during her life. And I just shared what I was learning through studying the book of Job during Hope's life. I was, I was trying to figure out how does a godly person lose so much and question God boldly and then emerge from that with a life that was described as good, like Job did. Because mm-hmm. at that point, I had thought my life will never be good again. And so I pulled those out and I started writing what became my first book, Holding On to Hope, um, which was published on what would have been Gabe's first birthday. Oh, wow. That's pretty incredible. So, um, and then you kind of started really getting into Bible study to say it mildly. How many books have you written so far, Nancy? Well, I I got started asking to speak and, you know, I just didn't want to be the Christian speaker who goes, especially the Christian speaker with her big sad story. And I wanted to teach the Bible because I really do believe God works through his word preached and taught. And so I just began trying to figure out how do I use my story that people want to hear? How do I use my story to tell God's story? Because, you know, my story, Lena, it might have the power to move people, maybe even inspire people, interest people, but there's only one story that has the power to make dead people alive. 
Mm. And, and that's, that's the story of the gospel, the story of the person and work of Jesus Christ. So I just made it my aim. How do I use these opportunities God is giving me, both through speaking and that, and men that involved in a more and more writing? How do I use them to tell God's story in a way that uh, brings genuine spiritual life and lasting fruit to people's lives? Well, and I want us to talk a little bit about that, because I, I think that what you're hinting at, I mean, I think Jen Wilkin has done a great job of, of bringing that point back. I mean, we read the Bible not to talk about us and to fit our sto- you know, God into our story, but, and I think that's a mistake that many Christians make, and so sort of quickly lose interest in the Bible, and so you might sort of have a Bible reading plan, but how do you sort of understand, A, how you fit into the story of God, I guess, and how do you get to know God through his word? So help us study the Bible. I mean, how do you, how do you go to a place where, where the Bible is exciting in your life? Yeah. Well, I think one way you go to that place is that instead of reading the Bible for just like a little piece of inspiration or, or reading little bits of the Bible and then trying to jump immediately to what does this mean to me? Instead, I think there's a couple of other things we must do. First of all, I think we have to, rather than jumping immediately to what does it mean to me, we have to take a step to what did it mean to the original audience? So I, I, I take, I describe it as going from the text to them then. But then, especially when we're reading the Old Testament, we don't go from there directly to what does it mean to me because we have to travel through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm. And then it's only then that we can go to what does it mean to me today. And so that's... That's one important thing, and I, I could I could talk about that a long time. We could we could talk about it more, but I I think that's one big hole I had because I just was so trained to just jump immediately to read a little bit of scripture and say to draw out some kind of personal application for it. And if we jump to doing that too quickly, we go wrong. Yeah. I, I think the other big hole for most of my life in the Bible, even though I was that little girl with all of the answers and even that adult with, I thought, all of the answers, I had big gaps in my understanding of the Bible. Maybe, like, if you had asked me, maybe, you know, 10, a dozen years ago, to basically trace the story of the Bible, I might have done, you know, I would have done creation fall pretty good. I actually might have had a hard time tracing the patriarchs in order I would have, you know, okay, yeah, went into slavery, came out of slavery, went into promised land. I couldn't have, it, where it got fuzzy for me, I, I would have gotten David being king and maybe Solomon, his son, but then it got really fuzzy right. for me in terms of the the kingdoms being divided. There's the northern ten tribes and the southern two tribes, and then the northern tribes go <laughs> into exile, and then 150 years later, the southern tribes go into exile in Babylon, and they're the ones that return to the land. Now, I think I would have, first of all, I couldn't have done that. Just that basic thing. And honestly, if you can't do that basic thing, then there is so much of the Bible that's never going to make sense to you. And so what do you do if it never makes sense to you? You dip into it to little parts you think make sense, or you just ignore it altogether. So that means for most of us, we ignore all of the prophetical books. Right. Because... They're just like indecipherable between yeah. jumping between seeming to make good promises and then seeming to you know be all about sin and judgment and just like I don't know what to do with this 
so I just won't. I think I'll go to a psalm. And even there, though, we run into problems because we're reading along in a psalm, <laughs> and we think, okay, I can, I can pray this. This, this. this expresses my own heart. And then we get to some part of the psalm about some battle or, right. you know, bashing <laughs> children's heads on a rock or something. <laughs> and we're just like, um... Uh, I don't know what to do with this, so I'm just going to skip this till I get to some part that starts to make sense to me again. Right. And the reason we do that is because we don't understand how some of these smaller parts of the Bible fit into the larger story of the Bible. So my mission, Lena, has become to immerse people, introduce people, immerse people, initiate people into the larger story of the Bible that helps us make sense then of the smaller part of the Bible so that we understand them rightly and then we can finally get to what is this what are the implications of this for me and my world and my life well and it makes a huge difference in fact i love how you do that i heard you of course recently speak at a conference where you talk and i want you to talk about your new book and sort of how i mean because many of your books have followed this arc i haven't read all of your books because frankly you, you haven't? I mean, I mean, you've written more than my age, How I think. I, I, I really, I know, I think you've written more books than my age. I mean, she, this woman is crazy, but, I mean, it seems like you do this a lot. And I'll tell you who does read all your books. My mom, she just loves your style because she is a, a, a serious student of the Bible and knows God like nobody else I know. And so it connects with her at a deep level. And so they ha- now they're doing Son of David, which, by the way, I just ordered. And I, which I, oh, good. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to reading it. But I think you do this a lot. We follow the arc of Scripture th- from beginning to end and sort of weave in themes. And I think in Even Better Than Eden, your newest book, you do this just, I, I just really love that book, which I also have. And tell us kind of, why do you keep doing that, number one? And number two, what prompted <laughs> Even Better Than Eden? Yeah. Well, uh, why do I keep doing it? Because of what I was just talking about. Uh, uh, we can't understand little parts of the Bible rightly until we understand how they fit into the larger part of the Bible. And so what I do in Even Better Than Eden is I take nine themes that run from Genesis to Revelation in the Bible. And, and just, I mean, as an aside, that's amazing, is it not? I mean, yeah. the Bible's written by, I think, 40 different authors, 66 different books, and there is a central storyline to it that is consistent. That's stunning it is. to me. Yeah. Um, and it, it proved, it, it, it demonstrates its authority. It demonstrates that it really is a divine book and so worthy of our whole lives. Um, but, so, so I take nine themes for, I take uh, this, this, the theme of the, the garden in the wilderness, the image of God, uh, the tree of life, clothing, Sabbath, the bridegroom, um, the temple or God's dwelling place, uh, the city. And, and I trace all of these things beginning in Genesis all the way to Revelation. And what I hear most often from people is they feel like they knew all of those little bits, but they didn't know how to put yeah. it together. Yeah. And it like connects some dots. And I, I, you know, my goal is just to create deeper understanding uh, better Bible literacy. So, for example, um, if, if you understand the story of God's dwelling place that, and his desire to dwell with his people, then when you get to Exodus, where you get these chapter after chapter of all of these 
detail that they're supposed to build into the tabernacle or, or, or later in the yeah. temple. Um, if you understand it in context of that larger story, God's uh, rugged determination to deal with the sin of his people so that he could dwell with us then you know how to understand that rightly. And you don't get off track. And, and you understand when, when John says that the word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. I mean, that means far more because you're understanding it in context of that larger story. And, and then when you get to Revelation and you read in Revelation 21 that a loud voice speaks from the throne. This is John seeing into the new heavens and the new earth. And this loud voice speaks from this throne that says basically, finally, uh, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will be their God and they will be his people. And then you can feel that sense of resolution and joy because you understand that this is what the Bible has been about from the very very beginning mm. and that you can count on that as being being of the future that we're going to enjoy forever God dwelling with his people and we are a part of that well and it puts our pain in perspective absolutely um yes when when you read when that like when you read beginning in Genesis 3 uh, first of all, when you understand this curse that is put on the serpent and on the ground, and you, as you trace this Bible story, you begin to realize um, that all of our answers to the questions why, I mean, like you know, going back to my own story and, and where yeah. this all began, you know, I, like everybody else, have the question why? Why did this happen? And I found the answer, honestly, in Genesis 3. Mm. There on the impact of sin and the curse of sin on this world. You read in Genesis chapter 3 that the impact of the curse on the woman is that she's going to have pain in childbearing. And this is not just about the pain of labor and delivery. This is about the pain of miscarriage and Mm. infertility and having a child with birth defects and raising a sinful child in a world that's broken down by sin. I mean, um, you know, we're told about the curse that's on the ground. So people ask me, why have you had two children who have been born with a fatal syndrome? I would say to you, because I live in a world in which the curse of sin has infiltrated all of creation, reaching even my genetic code. Mm. And to me, that is the ultimate answer to the question why it has, it, it has happened. And so as you trace that, though, throughout the Bible, what are we told? Uh, the other thing we're told is, is an announcement of hope that happens right there at the beginning of the Bible, right in the midst of the curse, this announcement of hope in Genesis 3.15, because that serpent is told that one day there's going to be an offspring of the woman, and that offspring is going to crush his head. Wow, that's awesome. I just awesome. love that. It's yeah. like, from the very beginning, evil, death, your days are numbered. There's going to be one who's going to come, who's going to put an end to sin and death and the evil that brought it all about. And so as we trace the Bible story, we're, we're tracing the story of that offspring. It's so awesome. When is that offspring going to come? Who's going to finally crush the head of this evil serpent forever? And when we get to the very end of the Bible in Revelation 20, that's where we read about it, that that uh, this ancient serpent is thrown into the pit where he is... Um, he's going to be destroyed forever, forever. 
removed from the people of God because we're going to enter into the new Jerusalem that is perfectly secure. In fact, we're told in Revelation 21, nothing unclean will ever enter it. It's going to be, and this is where my title for the book comes from, Better Than Eden, Mm. because in the original Eden, it wasn't completely secure. And sin and evil and death entered into that garden. But this new garden city that's described in Revelation 21 and 22, when we enter into that garden city, nothing unclean will ever enter it. It's going to be forever secure, will never be harmed again. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. And it's going to be far better than even what Adam and Eve enjoyed in the the beauties and abundance of what was the original Eden. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love this challenge of like, I sometimes I think you read the Bible and you, there's a few stories in the Old Testament that to this day, like you read and you just, they scare you and you don't get it and, or they seem yeah. so wrong, like unfair, like Uriah, the husband of um, Bathsheba. I feel every time I read that story, I think, man, this guy was so screwed. Like, you know, like he did the right thing. It's not fair. And then you read the Uzzah who touches the thing and he dies. Like there's so many little tidbits where it's so easy to want to be like, forget it, you know, I'm just going to focus on the New Testament, it makes me feel good, but I think when you see that arch, this is what you're talking about, it's like, it all has meaning and implication, and the minute you start, like, it's almost like a puzzle, and as soon as you, and, and it's not complicated, right, I mean, you you started doing it, you studied the Bible on your own, right, I mean, you were, you read, and you, so it wasn't like you needed some guru to, like, be like, Nancy, go through, here's a, it was a matter of asking the Lord to teach you through his spirit, and to make sense of it, right, I mean, how did you even figure out how to understand the Bible this way? Well, I started listening to pastors and preachers who taught what they said of redemptive history. Mm. And I got hooked on them. And I was like, they just began to show me, like, I need to go back to kindergarten on reading the Bible. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, what, what, really, what really became clear to me was when I studied Luke 24, that story on the road to Emmaus. My favorite story. Where... I know. And, you know, these two followers, they're so disappointed because Jesus, and think about what they're disappointed in. Jesus didn't live up to their expectations. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Jesus is walking alongside them. They don't even recognize him. And, and it says there in Luke twenty four twenty seven, it says, beginning with Moses and the prophets, Jesus explained all things concerning himself. Yeah. Now, that's mind-blowing to yeah. me. I mean, you know, I, I would say, if, if you're going to explain who Jesus is, I mean, wouldn't you believe, wouldn't you start with, like, the manger, yeah. you know, and him being born in Bethlehem? That wasn't Jesus' way. I mean, Jesus started in Genesis 1. Yeah. And it says, he explained, through all those passages, every all things concerning himself. So, what happened to me was I was just like, I don't understand how to read the Old Testament this way. I, 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 and so, I began to work my way to the Old Testament, asking myself the question. When Jesus pointed to this passage or this part of the Bible, what in what way would he have said that this was about him? Hmm. And that's where it begins for me. You know, and so there you are in Genesis chapter one, let there be light. And I'm like, how does that connect with Jesus saying, I am the light of the world? Yeah. And so it just began that way. And I just worked my way through the whole Old Testament, kind of trying to relearn it, re-understand it with Christ at the center. Well, and I think for those of you listening right now, I mean, I think, 
you got to start somewhere, right? I mean, I, I can't imagine you're listening to Nancy speak about the Bible this way and not feel a, like a desire. Like I hear it and I think, man, I got to go back and read this because I really want to understand what God is saying in this. And, and so a great place to start is with her book, Even Better Than Eden, which I'm going to give away two copies. And uh, y'all just email me. You know how this works. Just email me, say, hey, I want a copy of Nancy's book and I'll pick two random names in the next 24 hours and send that to you guys because I really think that's a good sort of spectrum of what she's talking about and understanding how to dig into this and then what else can they do Nancy so practically speaking you know how how can people find a bible study that isn't a waste of time and not that any bible study is I don't want to but you know some are just like feel-good bible studies how how can a person find a place that is going to stretch them in their knowledge of God it makes you're making me think about this friend of mine from my church actually who posted on Facebook the other day, she wrote, she made a list of a number of books she was interested in reading and asked people's input. And I told her, here's the central question. Is this study you're thinking about doing, is it more about what you're supposed to do or is it more about what Christ has done? Mm, That's good. And I think you can evaluate any study that's being offered through that grid because so many things that are offered for women just move so immediately to something you're supposed to be or become or do or the way you're supposed to go change. And it's not that studying the Bible about who Christ is is not going to lead to those implications, but it doesn't start there. We want something that starts with who is Christ and what has he done? Because that's going to lead us to the appropriate implications for for what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. I mean, the Bible, some people just have a mistaken notion that the Bible is some kind of guidebook for life. And we go to it, we're looking for kind of advice on what we're supposed to be and do and become. That's not what the Bible is. The Bible is all about who Christ is. And what he has done, does that have implications for what, who we're supposed to be and for what we've done? Yes. But just get it in the right order and look for a study. Uh, I, I think, in general, avoid topical studies. Mm. And in general, look for a study that is about a particular book of the Bible. But, you know, honestly, Lena, sometimes even those, just they look at a little bit, they take up a book of the Bible bit by bit by bit, and then jump immediately toward an application for us. And right. Those don't add to our larger understanding of the Bible necessarily. So yeah. every time we're studying a book of the Bible, we want to understand where does this fit in the larger story, and and that's going to help us understand it rightly. That's awesome. And of course, they can listen to your podcast. I found that to be so instructive, and it's pre- I really just, I've learned so much listening to it. So tell us, how can people access your resources or the things that are available to them and you? Yeah, they can go to nancyguthrie.com. There they'll find lists of my books and DVD studies. Uh, They'll find interviews with me and things I've written. They'll also find information about the retreats that my husband and I host for couples who have lost children. We host weekend retreats called respite retreats just for couples who have lost children. We just had our 33rd retreat a couple of weeks ago. And... um, so people who have lost children or know someone who has, and they're, they're looking for how to take hold of Christ and experience healing in the midst of that devastation, they can find information there about respite retreats. Oh, that's awesome. Um, your life is amazing. I really love um, just hearing this, the redemption that Christ has done in the midst of pain. 
And I just really have appreciated your friendship, Nancy, and just thank you for doing this not once but twice. And I love you too, and I'm so grateful to get to witness what God is doing in and through your life. It's a beautiful oh, thing. Thanks, man. We're uh, you're stuck with me now. That's it. So, guys, let's just be sisters to living all out with the life that God gives us Amen. to glorify God with the personality He's given us and the opportunities He's given us, which may be different. And yet we just want to run in the direction that God is sending us in. Amen to that. I like that. We'll end with that. And so, guys, uh, connect with Nancy if you want. More importantly, remember, send me an email for her book. And if you're listening, you have questions, you want to give me a high five, send me an email at lena at livingwithpower.org. And as you know, share this with friends. Everybody needs hope. So let them know about the Hope Podcast. And have a great day. I'll see you guys again next week.